are not the dulcet tones of Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, you might surmise, listener, that this is no ordinary edition of Fangraphs Audio. In fact, it is the Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio, in which we invite members of Rotographs, our fantasy friends, over to the pod. This particular edition of the show, uh, we have Eno Saris and Mr. Jason Catania. In what follows, we discuss a number of topics near and dear to the fantasy owner's heart, including, but certainly not limited to, uh, Eric Hosmer and his recent promotion to the Kansas City Royals, Fangraph's even newer fantasy game, Pick 6, the dearth of talent at third base available to fantasy owners, and uh, some breaking news, the promotion of Atlanta Brave prospect Julio Terran. The culturally sensitive listener uh, should be advised that Eno Saris himself of no particular cultural origins, makes some heinous, heinous comments about Italians during the course of this episode. That and plenty more verbal fisticuffs to follow on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. It is Fantasy Friday at Fangraphs. I am Carson Testuli. Let's look. Uh, yeah, let's find out who's here um, uh, around this fictional table or non-existent table, um, however it goes. Uh, one person whose voice you're about to hear and uh, who, whose voice you've heard on the podcast before is uh, our man, I believe, um, talking to us a stone's throw uh, from Stanford University, I guess depending on the quality of your arm, Eno Saris? Yeah, my arm isn't what it used to be. I don't think I could get it there, but uh, yeah, pretty close, and uh, thanks for having me on. No, of co- hey, Eno, it's a, a privilege to have you on, but is it, uh, like, what sort of arm would you have to have to hit Stanford from where you are right now? Uh, probably a Frenchy-type arm. Jeff Francoeur could hit Stanford from here. And furthermore, um, what is your exact address and what are you wearing? <laughs> is that appropriate to ask that sort of information? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Just um, because it would embarrass me because I'm still in my underwear. Yeah, well, that's actually one of the nice things about writing about baseball for the interweb is uh, you you don't really ever have to do um, to do anything to yourself. Um, <laughs> you just yeah, you could uh, you don't need you really don't need legs, so that's nice. Um, Anyway, let's move on and let's meet a, a new, a newish member of uh, Rotographs, um, and a uh, a fellow Italian, which is nice that we've uh, sort of loaded up on Italians uh, recently in the podcast. His name is Jason Catania. Jason, how are you? Good, Carson. How are you doing? And Eno, good to speak with you as well. You know, you're allowed to say something too, unless you just want to be rude to Jason. Uh, I'll just be rude. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to, uh, you know, subdue my laughter throughout that uh, intro for Eno. And no, 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 you don't, don't subdue your laughter. It's, uh, it's the only thing. Uh, <laughs> laughter is the only thing keeping me from the from the darker thoughts. Um, uh, Jason, I, if I, if I understand correctly, you're joining us from the longest of islands in the United States. That is correct. Yeah. Um, also known as Strong Island, potentially. Is that right? People have called uh, it that before. Uh, if you're I don't really know. I've never referred to it that way, but it's always, you know, people make the X with their arms and go, Strong Island, and it just bothers me. So. Wow, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, 
Well, that's uh, that's already some new information for most of our listeners, I'm willing to bet. Um, now, uh, before we get started in earnest, um, I actually just want to kind of find out, because uh, as, as, as I've said, and as the listeners will know, um, Eno's been on the podcast before, and he's, he's certainly been around our pages for some time. Uh, Jason, you're newish. How um, how did you end up at Fangraphs? Why are you allowed to to write for us? Um, what's your, I, I don't know. I don't know that I am really. I'm not really sure that I'm allowed to. I think I just kind of somehow snuck my way on, and, and you guys don't really notice yet. Well, which is odd skill. that I. Yeah. It's odd that I'm on the podcast to tell you the truth. I mean, you know, that I think I, I have a good talent for I guess harassing people and, and somehow managing to uh, to to find work. But basically. Um, I work for ESPN the magazine and, and write a little bit for ESPN Insider uh, as well. And um, I've been there for five or six years or so, basically concentrating in baseball stuff, um, doing research and writing and reporting and altogether fun stuff. And uh, applied for a fan graphs, hey, you want to write for us post, and uh, kind of took it from there. Good. And uh, I should say, just for the benefit of our listeners, ESPN uh, is a rather is also a popular uh, television network. They broadcast uh, <laughs> uh, sporting programs and uh, live sports. Is that I mean, am I characterizing that correctly, Jason? I think so. Uh, they also have some talking head people do right. some things occasionally and that sort of thing too. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. So so you so you still you write for the Insider. Uh, hopefully, bringing a, a smart, uh, smart voice to end the magazine. Of course, uh, a smarter voice. Okay, so um, this is our first uh, Fantasy Friday podcast. Um, hopefully, it, it's up on Friday night. Um, although, uh, would not be surprising to find out that I had delayed um, the posting for some very good reason. Obviously, <laughs> um, uh, obviously, with a month plus of baseball gone by, there's a lot to talk about. But probably one of the more interesting and relevant stories, it would certainly be interesting to fantasy owners of all stripes, is um, the promotion Thursday of uh, Royals prospect first baseman uh, Eric Hosmer to uh, to the major leagues um, with a sort of uh, corresponding uh, demotion of Kila Kiwahi uh, to AAA, I guess, to uh, Omaha. Um, and so let's start with Eric Hosmer and... Um, and see uh, where that gives us. I guess, Jason, let's start with you. I, um, I'm sure you both have a lot to say about this. You know, uh, I mean, what does this uh, what does this promotion mean? Uh, you know, you could sort of take it any angle. I'm interested in sort of the one that's most inter- interesting to you, I guess. Well, I think for me, um, it's interesting from a you know, if we're stepping out of the fantasy circle for just a brief moment, it's interesting that I think the Royals promoted him now. Uh, as opposed to, say, in a month or so when he would probably be past the Super 2 eligibility um, and thus save them, you know, a few million dollars or more down the line when it's uh, when he's arbitration eligible. But, uh, I mean, it's tough to keep a guy down when he's leading the minor leagues in batting average and on-base percentage, uh, as he was at the time of his promotion. And I think, I mean, he's going to play every day and uh, is... I, I think, as I wrote uh, for this morning, actually, in the Mining the Miners, I just did a brief intro. Um, I highlighted Uneski Maya, uh, the Nationals pitcher. But I mentioned real quickly, like, you should probably pick up uh, Eric Hosmer because he is probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, right. And so you do also quite a bit of uh, minor league coverage. Um, what are you thinking right now? 
in, in addition to your post, uh, there was also uh, a post by Dave Cameron today, um, sort of looking at how we might adjust our, um, I guess our, uh, our, what is the? Well, I'm thinking of an English word. It's a, it's an English <laughs> word that I've used before. Our expectations. expectations. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Right. Very good. Uh, our expectations of Eric Hosmer. Um, Relative to the crazy batting line they put up, just because uh, you know, uh, BABIPs tend to be higher in the minors. His was uh, very high, and um, that we might you know readjust our expectations for him. What are you thinking? What would be a reasonable line for him here on out? Uh, what do you think, Jason? I mean, I, he definitely strikes me as a guy who uh, you know has good plate discipline and walks basically as much as he strikes out. Uh, you know, the minors, and I, I think that sort of player translates pretty well to the big leagues, more so than, say, you know, Mike Moustakis, his teammate uh, on the Royals uh, system, who, I mean, basically, you know, has potentially 30 homer power, but also, you know, doesn't walk as much and strikes out a decent amount, too. So, I mean, a guy like Hosmer, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is capable of hitting 275 to 285. I mean, I, I think asking more than that would be a lot. Um, I don't know that he's going to get too deep into double-digit homers. I mean, this is all assuming, of course, that he actually does okay enough to stay up, um, which is, you know, as Brandon Belt happened uh, to prove that that doesn't necessarily always, uh, that's not always the case. Yeah, it, it, just a couple things, too, briefly. Looking at his stat line, I, I was surprised to find uh, how low um, some of, uh, in, well, I should interrupt myself here. Are we saying Hosmer or Hosmer? I, I, will, I will say whatever you tell me to say. I have I, no idea. I thought it was Haas. I think it is Haas. I probably said Hosmer, but that was probably just my Long Island accent getting in the way of things. And you just wanted to say the word ho, maybe, to <laughs> get into the podcast. Am I right? It, it could be that. It's also we just like Hose. our hose. Yeah. Hose is, is, a, is a cool baseball name to me, I think. so. Yeah. Oh, you would like that to be. Well, I'm going to say Hosmer. You're, Let's do you're it. You're allowed to say Hosmer. Okay. Um, you have to say tomato, you know, and uh, we'll, you know, eventually right. we'll call the whole thing off. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised to see. You're right. How little he strikes out, or how, how infrequently he strikes out. Which um, you know, relative to the power profile that I've heard about, which is you know, I mean, uh, correct if, I, if I'm wrong, but like um, 70 or 75 on the power. What, what would you give him, Catania? Uh, I think he's probably more like a for right now, maybe like a 55, 60. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, he strikes me kind of to be – he should be a, a legit 20-homer guy when he's, you know, 24, 25, 26, entering his prime, and, you know, potentially more than that if he really grows into it. I mean, he is 6'4", 230. But I just think whenever it's a, a new guy coming up like this, even if it's a huge prospect, it's it's tough to expect, you know, 20 homers right off the bat unless you're, you know, Mike Stanton or somebody like that. Right. Now, uh, you know, there's a character uh, uh, that Jason just mentioned, uh, Brandon Belt, who, of course, had uh, pretty, um, I guess, expectations thrust onto him. Uh, he, he didn't necessarily create them, uh, but, you know, given his line last year in the minor leagues, it, it, it only made sense. Um, and obviously, Belt has, uh, even though he broke, um, you know, broke spring training with the team, uh, with the San Francisco Giants, he's now down at AAA again. Uh, Eric Hosmer is a, is another player who you know has had uh, now about a month in the minors and 
has put up pretty crazy numbers there. Um, but you know, as the belt example shows us, that's not necessarily a lock for inst insta success. Uh, where do you place Hosmer among uh, belt or maybe some other young players? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's really the the siren song for especially in sort of redraft leagues to bring it to, to fantasy. The siren song is oh the you know the fresh faced rookie with all the upside and you know I'm gonna go get this guy and he's gonna he's gonna be cheap he's gonna be free for me and hit 300 with 30 homers and you know I'll win my league and I and I think we've seen obviously with Belt you know that the best laid plans of my of mice and men don't always work out. Um, or baseball teams, and uh, and I actually looking at their lines, I think that there's some similarities in terms of how awesome they are at the plate, um, in terms of discerning balls and strikes, not striking out, making contact. I think Belt and Hosmer are actually somewhat similar in from like sort of a statistical profile. And the weird thing is, Belt hit, uh, has shown more uh, power in the minor leagues, um, and okay, yeah, yeah. I guess he's a little bit older. Um, and I, so I would say that if we're talking about just this year, I would have taken Belt at the beginning of the year, and as unlikely as it might seem now, I might still take Belt, especially if Belt, if they announce, oh, Belt's up tomorrow, then I would say, you know what, I might take Belt for this year. He's just older, he's more refined, you know, and uh, he's shown more power now. I think Hosmer's going to be one of these guys that sort of develops power as he goes. I mean, he's what, 20, 22, 21? 21, 21. Yeah. Now, Now, yeah. let's look at, uh, now, so where would you sort of place him maybe in uh, terms of a tier or a ranking? Uh, I'm going to give you two types of leagues. Um, one would be just like probably a standard 5x5, five 12-team five, league, and the other might be like one of our auto-new leagues, uh, points-based league. Uh, yeah, definitely higher in a points-based league um, because I think he'll he'll – He'll definitely walk from the beginning, and he won't strike out much. And I could see him having double power from the beginning. Um, you know, people talk about his ground ball rate and and the fact that he, most of his hits have been singles so far. But he's so good at the plate. He'll make contact. He'll make solid contact. He'll have doubles power. Who knows how many home runs he'll hit? Uh, points leagues. He's he's immediately playable in your starting lineup. I think. I mean, you got to check him out. See what he's going to do. You know. Right. Um, and uh, I think in a regular five by five, you're sort of, you know, he's a first baseman. Are you going to play him at first base? I don't think so. I don't see in a in a regular mixed league in a redraft. I'm not playing him at first base. Um, you know, I just think there's too many other options. Now and then we drop him down in utility, and probably somebody like a smoke um, is sitting there. You know, if I've got smoke on my team, I'm not playing Hosmer over smoke. Um, and uh, so I, I'm I'm saying he's one he could the upside is to be one of the best utility players in the in in a in a redraft league, and the downside is that you you know you drop him off your roster in a in a month or so, but in keeper leagues, you know, got to be he, he's going to be close to I don't know top 14 first baseman next year and and then after that you're talking you know top three four five. Range, oh, wow. I think. That's right. uh, Jason, do you see him about the same? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the one thing that you know so that I would maybe disagree with a little bit is the mention of he might actually take Belt over Hosmer uh, or Hosmer, as I should say it. Um, yeah, you should say it. Yeah. <laughs> going forward, I mean, 
it's probably it could be a, the, the same thing that happened to Belt could very well happen to Hosmer. Um, but to me, I just read earlier that uh, you know the Giants want to see sustained success was the term that they used from Belt in the minors before uh, bringing him up. And it, I mean, Hosmer is basically, I think going to take the job um, and I mean you know Kaihue's back to the minors and there's not really other major competition for him uh, going forward so I think they yeah. unless he falls on his face I think they let him get 400 at bats whereas Bell has to battle nine outfielders of San Francisco and Aubrey Huff at first base and all that sort of stuff it's a good point it's definitely a good point now here's the thing to consider too is uh, it might be sort of a knee-jerk reaction of uh, fantasy owners, in particular those I'm talking about in um, you know five by five leagues, leagues where uh, runs and RBIs count, uh, to say, well, you know, regardless of how good or you know Hosmer's going to be, he's playing for the Royals. You know, the interesting thing at this point though is, and it looks like, you know, it, to some level it's going to be sustainable, is the Royals' offense actually isn't terrible, um, which is surprising. I guess um, you know they they you know they they'll probably find some places where they regress and uh, there might be some guys who are getting a bit lucky at this point, uh, but they're not they're not the miserable offense that they have been in the past and uh, uh, putting Hosmer in the middle of that um, you know may actually uh, he may actually get decent run and or uh, RBI numbers where you know say it was last year or. Uh, one of the Royals teams in the last 25 years, for example, uh, you may not have had that same benefit. So uh, just something to, th- to think about um, that you don't have to necessarily make those same exceptions. And, of course, it's actually the same thing in that, in that same central now with the uh, Cleveland Indians, even more so. Um, I know it's it, this is sort of one of those things, I guess, that happens um, – you know, maybe over the first month or two of a season, is you sort of have to recalibrate your understanding. You know, not for all 30 teams because it's not like that. You know, the Red Sox and the Yankees are generally going to be good. Uh, the Pirates um, are generally going to be miserable. But of course, you know, you could have said the same thing about the uh, Royals and Indians. And in this case, you know, that would be the case. The, you know, the Indians. Um, I've caught myself a couple times. You know, just looking over players that are available on my waiver wire, um, or you know, maybe a starting pitcher. Uh, and said, ah, I can't take him. He plays for for a crap team. And then you start to realize that, oh, actually, this this team's kind of been good over the first month. I, do you guys go through that? You know, you go through that where you sort of recalibrate. Have you had any specific examples of that? You know, the weird thing is that I don't um, I don't really draft or pick up players or 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 think. I don't actually ever really think about runs and RBIs. Just to be honest. Um, I appreciate that you're being honest. Uh, what about uh, what about a starting pitcher <laughs> no, but, though? For example, so, um, I can imagine support, but that's wins. I, I just what I try to do is just avoid all contextual sort of team context. That it does hurt me sometimes. Sometimes I look up in August and I'm like, wow, why why don't I have any runs on this team? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's kind of hard to sort of get out of that hole. But you know, I just don't want to. I don't. The teams change from year to year. Um, you know the Indians are a great example of that, like you said. And I don't. I want to. I just want to look for guys who have speed and the guys who have power. And if I have a lot of guys who have speed, I I assume that they're at the top of the lineup and they're going to score runs. I have a lot of guys who have power. I assume that they're you're going to hit people in and have RBIs. So that's just just an aside, I guess. So okay, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. So now is this one of those things where it's like you, um, 
especially I know you're in a bunch of leagues where you can only kind of hold so many things in your mind at once too, and you sort of <laughs> have to balance. Well, no, no, but you sort of have to balance, um, you know, the quality and depth of your information with also the ability to make uh, quick decisions. So you have sort of have like a, a couple of heuristics that you use, um, and then just sort of leave everything else, you know, to chance. I I mean I've got twelve leagues and yeah if uh if something if something happens like Mark Melanson or Melancone is it Mel- Melanson I think it's Melanson yeah 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 so if Mark Melanson is 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 the closer or or if, if I see Mark Melanson is is pitching better than than his closer uh which I did like two weeks ago I go through I've got like four or five teams and I've just you know, I'm like, okay, I know these are my saves leagues. I'm gonna go run in there and see what I can drop for saves. You Jesus, know, that's all. That's all. Katani, how many teams are you rolling with currently? I, I've in the past, I've gone to I think as many as about eight. Um, I've actually in I want to say I think it's four right now, um, which is partly because restraint. Yeah, exactly. It's it's you know it's I can only do so many things, I guess, but. Um, the the one of my leagues is a uh, a crazy AL only and NL only uh, keeper league, and that basically takes up ninety percent of my life, uh, and the other ten percent is writing for Rotographs. So I, I you know I, the other leagues are more for fun and sort of to gauge um, you know trends and and you know if I start to do okay in you know May June if I'm in the Top three or four, just based on you know random updates, I'll actually uh, you know start paying attention then. But I think it's it's tough to, as you know, we're saying, go through and make twelve ads of Mark Melanson in you know ten minutes and hope that you get him in as many leagues as you can. That's that's a difficult thing to make sure of. So I think I'm actually I think I'm actually saved by the fact that uh, so many of my leagues are different, so different. So I don't actually have to go through. 12 to find, you know what I'm saying? I, I only have to go, I only know I have saves as a stat in four or five of these leagues, and maybe one or two of them is NL only, and Melanson's been gone for months. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I, I, I have these, I have them set up in my head like, oh, this player's available, I have to run to the NL only league, and the 20 team league, and the right. 18 team league, and that's it, because he's not, so I have to sort of, I have to look at a player immediately and grade them for Mixed league, you know, AL only, that sort of deal. So I would say, looking at Hosmer, I would, I, I don't even know. I mean, would you pick him up in a ten teamer? I mean, I think I, I think I would. For it, it, I mean, it, ten teamers to me are because there's talent readily available on the free agent wire. That I mean, if you if you take a shot on a guy like Hosmer and he just yeah. completely kills it, then you're awesome. And if he's Falls on his face, then you can just pick up, you know, Cody Ross or whoever else and play him at utility and, and still basically get, you know, passable enough stats that you don't feel too bad about it. I think. So you're saying you give him like a week or two, and because yeah, I like think so. And then if it if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Right. I mean, there, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna <laughs> roster a struggling Osmer all year in a ten team or so. Yeah. Right. Right. And there's always people are always trying to get the. You know the Buster Posey or the Ryan Braun guy who comes in and, and basically from the get-go is a beast. And I mean that that only happens a few times a year. Um, so it's one of those. It's a weird balance where you you don't want to do it with every guy um, because then you're just chasing your tail and it's not going to work out well. You're going to end up losing track of you know stats that you're going to have you know a 200 batting average from that position when you could have just settled on one or two guys. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know occasionally if you can pinpoint the right guy, um, especially in shallower leagues, it's it's probably worth a shot. And in deeper leagues, you know he's either owned or you know it, it's definitely worth a shot there because it's not really the, the replacement level is is so much lower. Uh, one one thing that Ito was talking about, um, in which sort of um, lends itself to another conversation that I was interested in having, um, was the sort of um, variety of video games in which he's participating. Um, and of course, at Fangraphs we have the auto new game. Uh, recently, though, Niv Shah, uh, the Dark Lord, the Dark Overlord, I guess of uh, of auto new, is now uh, has now re- uh, introduced. Um, for our consideration, a pick six game, uh, in which uh, it's a daily game, it's free, um, in which uh, we pick uh, whatever, a couple guys, uh, six, six guys, uh, different positions, one starting pitcher, one relief pitcher, some position players, and, um, and uh, you know, that's that's the game, but it's kind of fun, and I guess the, the fun is in the everyday uh, structure of it. Uh, you know, could you, I, I've just uh, very much glossed over it here, could you tell us a little bit more about that game, and uh well, I, I was trying to think of, of how to classify it, and I think, uh, you know, in, in in terms of uh, philosophy, if if the original auto new game is sort of being like a general manager, mm-hmm. where you've got your team, you've got a forty man roster, you've got to decide who's worth it at the right price, and how long you're going to keep this player, and when do you sell your veterans, and when do you, you know. Um, you're sort of looking at the team as sort of a, as a holistic thing and a sort of general manager. I would say the pick six is almost being the manager. So what you're doing is you're looking for six players that have the best matchups for that day. Um, and you're you're just and it, it's quick and dirty. You've got 120 dollars, six spots. It is dirty. I will say that it's, it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. All right, so sorry. Continue. Yeah, yeah. And you and you just go in and you spend your 120 dollars and. Basically, what you're doing is buying uh, the players at the salaries that they were bought uh, on average in AutoNew. So, uh, and then that will change as as we're using players. Um, you know, if somebody's undervalued and gets used over and over again in pick six, they'll get more expensive. Um, right, and I know that's that's. I mean, that seems to be a, a pretty uh, important component to keeping it interesting. Right, is the yeah. is the dynamic pricing. It also lends to some quirks. I don't know. Somebody somewhere bought George Sherrill for thirty dollars um, in Autonew, and nobody knows why. Uh, <laughs> and so every day we get a question: Why is George Sherrill twenty nine dollars? Why is he twenty eight? He's just going down a dollar. And someday we won't have to answer a question about George Sherrill. Now, but, is that the uh, league uh, that that required uh, its participants to drink heavily before the draft? <laughs> something I, like I, that. I thought I'd heard something like that. Cousin or I was say, it might be George Sherrill's family league, actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, the real. I think what's nice about it too is he he created this um, these following leaderboards, so you can follow your friends, um, and you can see who has. You, there's an overall leaderboard where he's got two or three hundred people making picks um, every day. Um, and there's, you know, like a daily winner. He's got achievements where if you win, you get sort of a crown. Um, if you get a zero thing, you, you're, you get an O for achievement. You know, there's all these different little fun achievements you can unlock. Um, and you have your little personal leaderboard where you can see just, uh, other fangrass writers or whoever you want to follow. So, um, I think it's, it's, it's fun on that level where it only takes like 10 minutes to get in there. 
um, and yet you're part of this sort of crew of people. And it's not just your 12-team league. It's like hundreds of people playing. So there's kind of this 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 interesting. And then you you're all looking for lightning in a bottle, and you can all have your own different strategies. And we just put up a strategy article today um, about different ways to sort of think about matchups and and to what what how to play the game a little bit. So yeah, let's get to that in a second. I want to ask Jason here. Jason, you ever do much in the way of? Uh, and you can be totally honest here. We don't need to. We don't need to shill Niv's game for him, you know what I mean? Uh, but you ever do much in the way of daily games, or, you know, what do you think works or, or, and or doesn't work about the, the sort of daily game offering? Uh, well, I mean, the, uh, the crazy league that I was referring to before uh, is a daily league, but it's, uh, you know, your rosters are pretty set as opposed to this, which is all fluctuation and volatile. Um but I, I, I glanced at the article uh, before this uh, with the strategies, and it seems to me that you know the the best one would be to potentially target a guy who um, you know if it's a right-handed pitcher, uh, you know grab a left-handed hitter, uh, that sort of thing, or, or even if it's like a Seth Smith type of guy who might be a little bit cheaper, but you know he's going to play against a right-hander because he just hits right-handers well. Um, and the other thing I think that was pretty sort of self-explanatory but in common sense, but also difficult to predict is, uh, you know, dealing with relievers. Uh, you don't want to pick a guy who probably threw two days in a row, that sort of thing. So paying attention to game logs, I think, is important, too. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, one thing, uh, you know, that I um, that I don't like about uh, Pick 6 so far, and I'm just going to be honest here, is that I don't, I haven't won a lot of days or any days and that's kind of my main complaint and I was wondering uh, I actually uh, emailed Niv especially the other day to have him add Ryan Vogelsong and then uh, Vogelsong. retroactively so you can win no 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 like before he pitched one day because you know in limited time but between the minors and uh, uh. and uh, what his first Two starts or whatever with. Are so you telling me you would you would have won that day because you would have played Vogelsong? No, the saying. point is Vogelsong gave up like three home runs. Oh. And okay. I and I lost <laughs> and uh, I and I blame Did you get a negative Niv for being so. What? Did you get a negative that day? I got a negative. No, I, I think I had like two. Um, but <laughs> so like the point is, my point is like, how am I specifically going to win? I don't really. I'm not. Ca- I don't care about anyone else. I well, ignore, to... ignore. I mean, the one thing that's easy is ignore batter versus pitcher matchups, pretty much, because uh, we've shown that they're not they're not predictive. But uh, oh, oh, okay. I think I, see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I think the lefty righty thing is a big deal. I think it's also about sort of attribution of resources. So it's just like where do you where do you decide to put your money? And so far, I've been uh, I've been plunging it into power corner infielders. So okay. I and I sort of go. That, I just go into corner infield and 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 pick my my power source for the day, mm-hmm. and then and that's going to be one of my more expensive buys. So I sort of just go in the in that sort of direction from from my most expensive buys. So that I'm and I'm often uh, in the relievers at the end of the with like five dollars, just looking for a closer that hasn't pitched in three days. Um, like Jason said, you know, looking at the game logs um, or maybe a setup man that pitches like every other day. Um, that every is, every day, Eddie Guardado would have been really good in this game, I imagine, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah just because you know you could get a hold, even if he wasn't the the closer, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, it's actually. Uh, I think we should have 
realize that he was going to be a relief pitcher. If, if your parents give you the first name every day, <laughs> that's strange, right? It is, it is. Yeah, I don't know what that is in Spanish. Todos días or something like that, I think, right? I guess in French, in French it would be toujours. Um, oh, that then you'd need a different second name. Yeah, you toujours Thomas. Uh, Thomas not a great French name, I don't think, is it? Oh, yeah, maybe. So you know, I have a question for you. So because I've yet to do pick six, and I, I it's one of those things where I I've, I've looked at it, and I'm trying to I don't want to I'm sort of afraid to get into it and make a complete fool of myself. So I'm sort of trying to read up on it and figure it out before I plunge. But uh, what's the breakdown in terms of? Uh, roster, you said it was six six spots, and in terms of, do you have to have X number of hitters, X number of pitchers, or is it completely open? Yep. Yeah, it's a catcher, corner infielder, middle infielder, outfielder, starting pitcher, relief pitcher. Okay. Which I think it has a sort of nice, that seems to sort of represent the different classes of players that you have to deal with. Right. Uh, there's probably not a ton of center fielders going to get picked up. It's, uh, it's points, uh, points for, um, uh, it's a linear weights point system, so it's basically like as if it was Waba. You want to think Waba and FIP. You say Waba, huh? Have we had this conversation before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess other people say Woba. Maybe Woba. It's your, that's your West Coast accent, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Waba, Waba, Waba Ho- Hosmer, Hosmer. Hosmer, yeah. Yeah, right. for all of us. It's a big town. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to just want to say, Jason, I, I don't think that you should worry um, about making a fool out of yourself, especially. Too late. Uh, sorry. Well, no, but that's my point. I'm saying like <laughs> after this this podcast is posted, that's going to be the least of your worries. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. People, all, people already know you're a fool. <laughs> it's the accent, isn't it? Really, just be honest. No, it's most of the, mostly the things you say. <laughs> no, I, I'm only half joking. The um, let's see. Uh, hey, so so this actually connects uh, maybe slightly uh, to the. Um, to the pick six game because corner corner infield is one of the positions you have to take. Um, right now, I think both of you guys have mentioned that in writing or um, at least in uh, correspondence between the three of us, uh, that third base is kind of miserable right now um, and is sort of uh, forcing fantasy owners to get creative um, or you know maybe to get sick. Uh, l- let's talk about third base and, and ways around the uh, you know, sort of uh, the problem is, or I guess, how we've gotten to this point where it's so poor and ways around it. Let's start with you, Jason. Uh, I'm going to go all Jerry Seinfeld on you, especially because you're a native of the uh, the same Long Island as he is. Uh, what's the deal with third base? Uh, well, I mean, I think that it was fairly uh, well known that it was a little bit shallower of a position than it had been in the past coming into the year. Um, you know, accepting guys like, uh, you know, Kevin Euclid, who is going to gain third base eligibility in some leagues because he's shifted over. Um, but it seems shallower coming into the season. And I mean, there's now, you had Ryan Zimmerman a week or two into the season getting hurt and he's out for the next, you know, four to six weeks. And Pablo Sandoval just broke his hammock bone in his hand, which is never a good thing. Uh, and he's out for another month plus. So it seems like guys are just, sort of dropping like flies and also players that you thought would be okay or even good or just not. Um, you know, there's the Aramis Ramirez types of the world who still has one home run and the Pedro Alvarez is who's hitting, I think, sub 200. 
Um, and Martin Prado has been sort of disappointing. Casey McGee. I mean, like I'm looking at the you know ownerships on, on the various leagues, and it's like it's hard to find more than three to five third basemen who are performing healthy and up to par. Yeah. Um, no, when you say that they're dropping like flies, do you mean uh, they're dropping like flies that Luis Castillo is trying to field? <laughs> oh, that, but I'm um, ching. <laughs> so what are you doing about it right now, Jason? What are you doing uh, about this third base? I mean, you say you're in four leagues. I'm wondering, in how many of these is, is this a problem for you? Uh, it's pretty much in most of my – I own Sandoval in my NL only, um, and – uh, I'm trying to think of who else it might have been, uh, but basically the the best you can do is try to find a guy, you know, be it Mike Aviles or Ryan Roberts even, who's been pretty good for the Diamondbacks, and and I think it's probably wrested that job away from uh, Melvin and his five kids, Mora. Um, Although so, I will say I think Melvin Mora's well, actually Roberts started second yesterday. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, uh, in place of Johnson. I mean, that's that's kind of the weird thing that's uh, happening right now is a case where uh, – now, we know from uh, position adjustments in uh, wins above replacement that actually second baseman and third baseman come up pretty normal, uh, you know, come up pretty similar to each other. Uh, right now, actually, I think we're finding a situation where it's actually uh, almost easier to find a guy who qualifies at second and third. You're more You're more likely to play him – uh, at third base, um, you know, if 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 you have you know a choice between one or the other, because um, you know second base is actually kind of an easier position to fill. Right, I think part of that, in my opinion, uh, you know, you could tell me if this is wrong. It's just that you don't necessarily expect as much from second base, so you're okay with you know having you know uh, a Placido Polanco-y type guy, you know, circa 2008 or nine playing second base for you, because if a guy is hitting 270, 280 with 12 homers and 60 RBIs, then that's actually okay at second. But at third base, we're all thought to, you know, we should be getting more than that from third base. Right, okay. Uh, I think, I think it's some of a, somewhat of a yearly, uh, just a this year phenomenon too. I mean, you might be, uh, it might be easier just because there's been fewer injuries and fewer, like, robust in second, on second base maybe. This could be a blog post actually. Well, you should, uh, yeah, you should think about it. In fact, why don't you just, Start writing it right now, and we'll just have total <laughs> silence on the podcast. Is that what you're saying you want? No. Oh, okay, I understand. Um, so, so what, you know, what have you been doing? How many of your leagues has this affected you, uh, Ryan I'm Roberts? Trying to think. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to wonder. I'm trying to figure out why it hasn't been worse for me. I mean, I, I think one of the things is if I picked a guy like Pedro Alvarez or Ian Stewart going into the year, then I always had a caddy for him, and I would have had I would have picked two people that position. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good idea to do with the high strikeout guys. Um, I mean, we've seen guys succeed with high strikeout rates, but we've also seen how badly it can go. Chris Davis um, and uh, and Mark Reynolds. So if you if you draft a guy like that, you really want to almost pick someone who's like the opposite of that. Um, of course, I could have been screwed with a, like a Pablo Sandoval, Pedro Alvarez platoon, but. Um, somehow that didn't uh, that didn't work out for me. So I, I've been okay, but uh, I did get I did put Ian Stewart in at third at my twenty teamer, um, and I've now been forced to uh, Danny Valencia it up. Um, <laughs> so I'm not I'm not feeling great about that. But I would say that you know there's one guy out there that isn't owned a ton um, in mixed leagues that people haven't been talking about as a replacement, and 
I think Chase Headley, there's some things to like about what he's done and, and what he's done in his career. Obviously, he has a bad home park, and he still has some issues with lefties. But there's some things to like, and he's got he's got his better strikeout rate and his and his better power together at last. So um, I really think that at the end of the year, you might look up and be surprised and be like, "How did Chase Headley get to 275 with you know 15 homers, 15 stolen bases?" You know, and that that doesn't sound exciting, but you know, if you get them in the right stretch, they are. You know, actually, I'll advocate. Uh, uh or I'll second your um, Danny Valencia nomination. Uh, Valencia, he, uh, of course, you know, most smarter baseball fans will know that he got a little bit lucky last year um, uh, from a batting average standpoint. I think he had, you know, a a Babbitt near 350, which helped him um, land a, you know, a 300-plus batting average. Um, This year, you know, basically the opposite thing is happening, even uh, to a greater degree, uh, but his um, plate discipline numbers are actually kind of coming together. Um, he's striking out less, and he's walking more. Um, and for me, that's you know that that's a sign that even if he you know he doesn't hit for great power, he's probably not going to hit for great power actually. Um, he never really has. Uh, I you know he he could actually become now a legitimate 300 hitter. Um, you know, say starting now and moving forward. Um, and you know, if we are looking at a situation where, you know, there really is a dearth of, uh, you know, even rosterable players available at third base, you know, Valencia could be a guy who's actually could be surprisingly valuable. Yeah, I, I I would say that I felt a little dirty picking him up, but I didn't feel that dirty. So, uh, thank you. I think that uh, I feel pretty good about it. I think there's sometimes, you know, there's just too much hatred. You know, things bounce too far. You know. And there's certain, like, certainly there's some things to like better about Danny Valencia than Chris Johnson, um, where they're sort of similar in that the sabermetric sort of advanced fantasy crowd sort of spotted those guys as, uh, jabronis maybe, um, <laughs> oh, really? last year. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, this year kind of, uh, avoided them. Um, but I would say that if I had to have one for my team, real life, I would take Danny Valencia. You know what's um, interesting about that? that you're the one who decided to get all ethnic, so I'll, I'll see you and raise you. Uh, is actually Danny Valencia, a lot of people don't know this, he's Jewish. Really? Yeah, that's a fact. There you go. Yeah, he's a member of the tribe. <laughs> and uh, So one thing I like to do for some fun is um, revisit that old article uh, called, um, I think, the, the all-time, all-time argument starter. Uh, it appeared in uh, Esquire magazine back in the 70s by uh, this writer here. Uh, Harry Stein, and uh, he had five ethnic baseball teams that he before. They were all time teams, but one was like Latin players, one was Italian, Polish, etc. Um, and one was Jewish. And uh, so I'm always sort of looking to find out who would like be the current. Uh, That's a, probably the, one of the harder teams to fill, I guess. Well, actually, do you want to know the sad thing? Of, at least, sad just in terms of numbers. My perspective, yeah. Jason's perspective, is the uh, Italian team. The Italian team actually <laughs> bites right now. Uh, there's some really <laughs> great players. There are a couple, you know, like uh, Joey Votto's really good, but Wither Mike Piazza these days, right? <laughs> right. Well, actually, catcher. It's funny. Italians do fine at catcher. We got, you know, Ionetta and uh, Mike Napoli. A couple hey, of great, Napoli. great mustaches. Hey. <laughs> so uh, that's that's a requisite. Whenever Mike, somebody mentions Mike Napoli, you have to say it that way. You do, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I just need to interject something real quick. 
I was not aware that Jabroni was at all ethnic. <laughs> and if I just uttered an ethnic slur, I apologize. Oh, I thought I it was. Not, I thought it was. I didn't know uh, the provenance of that word at I, all. I was. I was going to come back and. The and etymology of Jabroni. <laughs> I just thought it was an Italian thing. I. Uh, I guess it does. Now it sounds like an Italian thing. I do. I'm sorry. I did not. I did not mean it in that way. I just thought I, it meant. I thought, joke. I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking about uh, the Rock with. Uh, you know, from the wrestling days, because he used to call people jabronis left and right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where it came from, but I didn't. It, that doesn't mean it's not a slur. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. Right? Yeah. It, it turns out that uh, WWF is not the uh, does not have the moral compass uh, that they, that <laughs> they once promised that us direction. they did. <laughs> well, I guess that's something for me to personally research and. Uh, yeah, and actually, it it's. Uh, um, no, this is just the internet, but it's. I've been informed that. Um, it's actually it could be an Italian profanity, which means a hole. Mm. Oh, so so you just did so that. that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm making fun of Italians. I'm making fun of people in Italian. In Italian, yeah, <laughs> which is the classiest thing. That's anyway. that's a, an important <laughs> distinction, I'd say. Good. I, I would like to make that distinction. Yeah. <laughs> hey, all right. So, uh, now we were Uh-oh. talking about the sort of uh, dearth of talent we have available at third base. Uh, one thing that's happened generally is that there. Well, I guess. It's impossible to have a dearth of talent in every offensive position, but offense is down is the point. And uh, I mean, whether we want to phrase it as offense being down or pitching uh, being up, uh, you know, it's the case. Uh, I think uh, Catania, you might have pointed this out. I'm interested in hearing more about it, though. Uh, it's a fact, is that right? I mean, offense is down, and uh, and what what are the implications from a fantasy perspective? It is. I mean, everybody kind of knew last year as the year of the pitcher, uh, quote unquote, and uh, you know found the numbers uh, on a blog that I was reading for ESPN Insider that mentioned uh, that the runs per game last year, uh, you know, combined for both teams was 9.1, and this year it's 8.6, uh, which is there you go, a half a run a game difference, which doesn't seem that big, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, it is. And I mean, it's one of those things where I find myself. You know, whether it's trying to find a guy for third base to fill in for an injury or a guy who's slumping, you're trolling the waiver wire and free agent lists, and you're just looking at guys who are hitting 218 with one homer and seven RBIs, and it it just seems to be across the sport. Um, And my sort of answer to it, um, I think... If it's possible, I mean, it's it, the thing is that it, it happened last year too, so I think people are aware of it. But if you can trade for a solid or better hitter um, and and do it with a pitcher uh, to beef up your offense, because everybody has pitching these days, I think you should try to jump at those um, and potentially even you, know, you might have to overpay. I think because you know there are so many number one, number two type starters in fantasy now. Um, and guys who have sub three ERAs that uh, they just don't have the value that they did, you know, three, four, five years ago. Yeah, well, there you go. That's uh, that's what yeah, we call I, baseball analysis. What do you, uh, you know, it's a fine line, though. I mean, you, you you said it even as you were talking. You said it's a great idea to sort of use pitching, and then you also said you might have to overpay. It's sort of there's a you're walking a fine line there. You can use pitching to get hitting because there's more pitching on the wire, but then you might have to overpay in order to get the hitting. So, I mean, I I, I just saw a question on Twitter the other day asking me, or today I think Wait, you're on Twitter. Me, you know, you're, a, you're on Twitter, you know? 
That's re- I didn't know that. In fact, in fact, there's some breaking news that we should discuss in a second. But real quickly, uh, someone asked me Pineda, Pineda for uh, for Dunn. Should I trade my Pineda for his Adam Dunn? And I love what Pineda's been doing. I think just having that home park as sort of a as a, as a way to make things easier on you. I think he's he's you know lights out right now. He, obviously, his platoon issues haven't been that big of a deal this year. Um, and I love Pineda, but you know Adam Dunn is going to turn it around, and, and it's hard hard to get hitting, and and he's a decent, he's got power. So uh, I don't know. I said, yeah, even though it, do, it looks hard and it looks like you're overpaying, you know, I think that I would do that trade. So that's just an example. No, for, all right, well, so what? So now you've piqued my uh, my interest. I assume other people's interest. What's the what's the breaking news? Uh, Julio Teheran is uh, pitching on Saturday. Whoa. In the major leagues. Really? Wow. Yes, he is. It looks like it's only a uh, a spot start because of the double header the Braves had earlier this week. Um, they wanted to keep Hudson um, on three days rest, so they're calling up Tehran, and it has to do. It probably would have been minor, but minor pitched yesterday or today, or I think it was yesterday. No, minor pitched yesterday, so Tehran's normal day is Saturday. So. It's 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 a one star deal, but it it uh, it could allow some um, some leagues. It might enter him into the player pool for the first time, so that might allow you to kind of grab him and, and either put him on your minor league list, which you know unqualified grab in that situation. Um, if you can protect him in any way, or if you have a large bench and you're a keeper league, you got to pick him up. Otherwise, uh, treat him as a as a very interesting spot start, I guess. Uh, Catania, you are a prospect guy. I mean, what, where are you sort of placing Tehran? I know I've seen him in the top ten uh, in some by some people's rankings. Yeah, I mean, he's he's pretty generally considered the best pitching prospect in baseball, um, and he was doing really well in AAA, obviously, as he's been called up. Um, uh, he throws hard. He has three plus pitches, uh, you know, including a great changeup. And it, it, it's just tough with these guys when it's you know when we know pretty much going unless he throws seven shutout innings with ten strikeouts I don't think he's you know staying up in the big leagues but you know you never know and if it does enter into your player pool and you can stash him I would definitely do so but it's just tough I mean it might be sort of like the Jeremy Hellickson thing last year at the end of the year where he came up and was really good for two or three starts and then it was like oh well we're full now and you can go back down to the minors and you know you'll be a reliever in a few weeks so it's a little frustrating but yeah certainly um were he to actually get a regular job uh pitching every five days i would i I would think he could be you know potentially a top 40 pitcher this year well that's not an easy um that's not an easy rotation to crack uh at this point right (laughs) i mean i'm trying yeah you gotta think Who's their yeah. weakest starter at this point? You know, I mean, uh, uh, Zaire. I know, I know. Yeah, my, I mean, I know Beachy pitched really, really well last night with another, you know, six inning nine strikeout. He's been better yeah. than everybody expected. So um, that was he was. You know what? He was. I want to actually get your opinion on him, Jason, because uh, today in the chat it was all Beachy, Beachy and Sizemore, uh, Scott uh, were almost took over. Questions, uh, more questions than them on them than Hosmer. So um, I, I would like to because you know I think Keith Law famously said that he still sees Beachy as a four or five, 
Um, and there's, and he was an undrafted, uh, amateur free agent. He came up without any sort of pedigree, but he's just shown all the numbers you need to see. He's got a 92 mile an hour fastball, a pretty good change. I guess that was Law's point. He doesn't see the stuff there. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually grabbed him in my, uh, in my NL only league and sort of overpaid more than I wanted to, but, uh, it's worked out. I mean, I was a little bit worried about him because frankly, at the time he, it was, you know, he wasn't even, uh, the fifth starter. Uh, they were projecting minor to be. Uh, and then it was kind of sort of, I think, sh- a shock to everybody when, you know, lo and behold, a few days before the season, it was the fifth starter job went to Beachy and he's, I, I think it's, you could argue that he's been the Braves' best pitcher. Um, you know, they have a great rotation. Um, the, the, the thing that stands out about him to me is, uh, not only does he have a great strikeout to walk rate right now, uh, it's basically four to one, uh, he's only given up 30 hits in 42 innings. So uh, he struck me as a guy that might have been a little bit hittable at the major league level because he doesn't have the quote unquote stuff, but, um, you know, I'd have to figure out what his BABIP was real quick. Maybe we can get a look at that. But, uh, you know, giving up that low, uh, number of hits in 42 innings is certainly promising because it makes, it, it speaks more to his stuff, I would think. The thing, the thing that I would submit about BG, and I've actually, uh, I have, I'm sort of participated in two main leagues. In both of those leagues, I've picked him up, and in both of those leagues, I've traded him. Um, mm. because, you know, the, the value was there, from my opinion. Um, I think the strikeout to walk ratios are pretty excellent. His, um, his ground, ball rate, his ground ball rate frightens me. I think uh, entering his start yesterday was um, the lowest ground ball rate of any of the 115 or whatever qualified starters, mm-hmm. uh, 27% he's, or so. And he's an extreme fly baller, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, his BABIP his BABIP is 245. So I mean, it's it's not you know insanely low, but it it uh, it would probably you know spike up a little bit. You'd think um, it, in the minors his his BABIP was more routinely around, you know, 300 or, or north of it even a couple of times. So, right. yeah, well, BABIPs are going to be, BABIPs are, uh, as you know, I'm sure, are, are going to be higher um, in the minors. Uh, th- and, and with a fly ball profile like that, it makes sense, especially playing in Atlanta, which uh, suppresses homers a little bit. Uh, it makes sense that he could sustain, you know, something like a 290 BABIP. But the home runs are just really a pain. Like, I know playing in an auto-new league, you find out very quickly uh, the destructive force of the home run. Uh, and, you know, they just take a huge chunk out of your uh, your points. You know, I think it's like, what, 13 points, right? Mm. Per linear weights. And it's just, I just don't want to be around. I just don't want to have Beachy around, you know, like if he does start to give up homers in bunches or something like this, especially the, if the summer comes around. The other thing I was going to say, uh, Carson, not to interrupt, but uh, is... Um, Kind of speaking to the Pineda question from before, a lot of times, you know, owners want to jump on the the next big thing, prospect types who come up. And, you know, I mean, neither of these guys threw more than 130 or 40 innings last year. And, you know, at some point, the teams are going to start considering shutting them down. I mean, obviously, this is, you know, you're talking August, September, but it's always smart to think ahead and be like, well, I don't want to get stuck with that guy while I'm battling for a playoff spot. Um, and can't actually use him because he's pitching every 10 days now where the team has shut him down. So I think Gucci and and Pineda are good sell-high types just for that alone. Yeah, and once once you start seeing updates on Roto-World about the team even thinking about shutting that guy down, 
then then you're toast. You can't trade him. So you right, have to right. trade him well ahead of any sort of news breaking out. Or roto wire. It doesn't just have to be roto world. It could be roto wire. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and everyone was asking us Scott Sizemore, and we were we were pretty excited about Scott Sizemore. Um, and you know, people also brought up he has contact issues, um, which can be deadly, like I said earlier. But I, I, these aren't contact issues like Mark Reynolds, and and you know, even in second base, I don't think these are contact issues like Danny Espinosa. So I don't think that we're gonna. Hopefully, we won't see him, especially after we. Uh, you know, bigged him up today in the chat. I hope we don't see him, you know, striking out 30% of the time. I think it's more like striking out a quarter of the time, you know, having about like a 270, 275 batting average, not a great batting average, but he has power and speed and, you know, Will Rimes wasn't cutting it. I think that they're going to give him a shot. I mean, do you have, what do you guys think? I was going to say, I think, I mean, yeah, he was one of those, I think he was sort of, you know, quote unquote a sleeper last year and then kind of, uh, bombed out. Um, and, then he basically went back down to the minors and continued to do what he's always done, which is still pretty much hit uh, pretty well. Uh, he strikes me where they, the Tigers, I mean, frankly, I don't know how you can start Will Rhymes as much as they have. It's kind of sad and pathetic, uh, and a few other words that I probably can't utter on a podcast. Yeah, um, <laughs> can I say that one? <laughs> but um, certainly he he should get a shot and and it's not like he's a young kid i think he's 26 or so already uh yeah he's 26 so um he strikes me as a guy who could actually be you know a, a double digit homer and steel guy uh from second base which you know as a middle infield type in a 12 team league you know is is where i'd start to maybe look at him um and just you know watch the strikeout rate as as you know was pointing out because if that starts to rise uh, then he might be, uh, you know, back into the minors at some point soon. Okay. Well, before uh, we get sent back to the minors, uh, let's shut this edition of the pod down. But let's uh, let's not do so um, before we say goodbye to our guests. Um, let's see, joining us uh, for his first, but hopefully not for uh, his last podcast today uh, from the longest of violence was uh, Jason Catania. Jason, thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys, Carson and Eno. It was a pleasure, and hope to do it again. Yeah, well, it's good. It was uh, it was truly a pleasure to to meet you uh, as well, uh, Eno. Um, it was uh, something like a pleasure, at least a relative <laughs> of a pleasure. Uh, I, uh, I use I pleasure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> use pleasure. What's right? I said I said I said I used pleasure lightly for oh, Eno. At least oh. for Carson, not for Eno. Yes. I appreciate, yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, well, that's oh, true. I see. See, you we're going to be rude to each other, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I, I, hey, I'm the one who started it. I don't know why I brought that, you know, slur out of its... No, it's not a slur. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and none of you are jabronis, and I love you all. You know, it's actually... You're tough, you know, because there's, it's hard to stick a slur onto you what, with your multi-ethnic heritage. Oh, come on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I know I could try, like, but do I make I would, fun of... Jamaican people? Do I make fun of German people? Uh, do I make fun of? I don't know. You, you know, I know you went to boarding school. I know that about you. I don't know. I right. can't tell you how I know preppy, that, but I preppy crowd. How about that? I don't. Yeah, I know. I know. But uh, there's so much uh, that I want to insult you about, but it only it doesn't really cut to the quick, you know. But um, someday but anyway, we'll get a word. someday we'll get a word. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, though, no, uh, but yeah, until we do get that word, uh, let me say uh, thank you for joining us uh, as well on the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Okay, uh, so for both of those gentlemen, uh, I am and will continue to be Carson Sestouli. This has been another fine, white-hot edition of Fangraphs Audio.